talk about rights more than once. The right to speak, bear arms, amongst others. But what about something more fundamental? Something you need to be doing in order to exercise all those other rights. What about the right to exist this week? Philosophers. Philosophers. Okay, David. So last week I did a big old lore dump. So you did. I feel like you get to pick the topic this week. So I was musing earlier about the concept of a right to exist. Hmm. I think that is a topic that comes up in today's political discourse in a few different contexts. Mm-hmm. And uh and I figured well I, I had at least a few things to say about it in term in, in terms of how it relates to both people and also nations. I feel like these are the two things that I hear it most commonly brought up in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh the only one that I could think of outside of that are when uh, we talk about environmental efforts to preserve species. That's the only other one I think I hear Far from the top two being the ones that you mentioned, but that's the only one I can think of. So, okay. Yeah, let's start with uh, the most important thing on the list. People. I was I was waiting for you to say things that are not people, but... <laughs> no, hashtag humanity first as far as I'm concerned. Okay, yes, that's right. That's hot your, takes your only on, on philosophers. Yes. Um, okay, so people. People have a right to exist. I guess well, I, I first want to ask you the question. What do you think? Do you think people have a right to exist? After all, hashtag humanity first. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, Good. We're on the same page then. Yep. Uh, my main reason for saying so, um, rights have to be guaranteed. Um, right. No matter what. Uh, in my mind, anyway. So, unless we're prepared to do everything we can to guarantee that every human being lives as long as possible, regardless of what they want... Well, no, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be regardless of what they want because you can choose to forgo your own rights in some cases. It, that's true. However, um, it, that's a question that also I think depends on in what system you're talking about here in the States. We, we would view it that way. For example, the right to keep and bear arms, the second amendment and the bill of rights, mm-hmm. You don't have to exercise yeah, that's that. that's not right. a requirement that you keep and bear arms. No. However, there are, for example, I'm, labor unions is the biggest one that I can think of. By The way you exercise your rights as a worker is by being forced to join a union. And that's you being forced to exercise your right. Another good example um, in Australia, you are compelled to vote because you're being forced to exercise your right. I think it depends. Ultimately. I, I don't think that those are rights, though. Like that's compulsory, how compulsory vote. Yeah, it may it may be said like, "Oh, this is your your right," but it may it may be your right. Well, I think I think it's more of a of a superset. Mandates are a superset of rights, or at least have heavy overlap, because you can't be like okay, at least from the perspective of the authority who's bringing down the mandate it would be completely contradictory for them to say you have to do this, but it's not your right to do it. No, I understand that. Um, but what I am saying is in the, it, 
and you're correct in my head the way rights should be interpreted and protected i would agree you, you don't have you know you don't have to use it's them. just like okay freedom of religion you don't have to have a religion true no i no i agree with you i'm just saying i don't feel as though that's accurate though for everyone even if it should be right like we can sure maybe it's not but we're talking in the abstract here sure yeah okay well in the abstract yes i think that um that aside um it's easier to say no you don't have the right to exist even without the guaranteed clause of rights that i I gave earlier it, it would still even if we did recognize a right to exist it would still be your option to forgo that right um really what it comes down to for me is the burden on others to continue your existence okay what do you mean okay um we'll take this uh we'll take this uh out of order from the list okay let's look at a common thing that people will say that uh people have the right to which is health care okay um the reason they say this is because presumably they are basing this on some sort of preconceived right to exist and uh, bad health is detrimental to that end. Uh, and so you have the right or an entitlement to care from others to continue your existence. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. So my my objection to this, and we will see this as a pattern when we get to the other, the other, uh, at least one of the other bullet points. Um, the state of nature is against you. You you exist as a set of chemical reactions, which are relatively stable but not as stable as they could be. And there are many things that will stop these processes from happening. And we call that death. So the, the universe itself conspires. I personified in this way to bring about your end. And so work must be done to preserve your existence. I can agree to that point that life exists as a product of work to defy essentially entropy, you know. Yeah, basically at at the end of the day that is what we're getting at. Yeah. Like we we can we can break entropy down into discrete events that can kill people. Right. But ultimately, yeah, the universe is just tending toward a thing that will not have you in it. Right. And even if we were to not take entropy on the, you know, universe scale, um Everything that you do to continue to exist requires work, as you in your current state. It, so far up into and including that even the most simple life builds a wall between it and everything else to essentially demarcate what is it. You know, single-cell organisms right. build and cell walls. Of course, you know. if, we, if we take the, um, the Dawkinsian, I'll, I'll phrase it that way, uh, view, view of this, uh, the... The, from the the genes eye view of it, the the thing that is you is the genes, 
And so, or, or the thing that is, if we, if we want to talk about like microorganisms, the thing that is the bacterium is its genes. And if it just, if it just released those into the open, they would be quickly broken down by other things that would know how to take advantage of that and just deconstruct its material and use it to propagate itself. Sure. Um, so yeah, all of these things exist to protect the genes. Okay. Um, so, right. So healthcare is a professional service that is rendered unto people who are at risk of death um, and need work to be done to not die. Okay. Um, I'm going to take this moment to change my initial statement. Okay. I'm going to instead change my my new statement. My, my new position is that you do actually have the right to exist, actually. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, and I don't think that just because you have the right to exist that you then have the right to healthcare. For okay. example, I don't think that I don't think that the prerequisite of existing guarantees healthcare. Um so l- let me let me pose as a second example uh another right that we we probably both do agree on. Mm-hmm. Free speech. Okay, free speech. Okay. You have the right to speak, right? Do you not have to exist in order to speak? I do have to exist in order to speak, as far as I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, I, to me, I don't know, it makes more logical sense to say that your existence, your, your right to exist should be a protection. Like, And what, by that I mean is that we should not prevent other people, because that's what rights, that that's what rights have to do with mm. it's you and interacting with other people nature doesn't care about your rights and so we it's laughable for example to say you know um i you know i'm mad at nature because it is trying to interfere with my right to exist well that's just too bad like nature is not a person rights i think are something that we've constructed in the abstract to help us discuss how we should interact as people so, for example, the right to exist, the only real way to infringe on it as the most literal sense is death. You, we, you cannot kill someone else. You cannot mm-hmm. force their ceasing. You do not have to guarantee that they continue existing, but you don't have the right to end someone else or cease them from existing. Just like you don't have to listen to someone who speaks, but you do not have the right to silence them. You do not have to carry a firearm but you cannot infringe on someone else's right to do so. And you don't have to carry one if you don't want to. It's an, enti- it's, I almost said it's an entitlement, it's but entitlement. that's, that's a different thing. Yeah. You, you, the right isn't available, is available to you, whether you choose h- how you choose to exercise it is still at your discretion. And the way I would square that with healthcare and this at the same time, I think highlights one of the biggest problems with viewing healthcare as a right. Um, you have the right to exist in any way you want to, which includes unhealthy lifestyles. Just like if you had the right to healthcare, you wouldn't have to necessarily pursue a healthy lifestyle. But the moment in which you involve someone else in attempting to maintain your healthcare in order to maintain your existence, you're giving the responsibility of maintaining your health to someone else. And that should entitle, like the only way that can square logically with me is that you also then give them the right to help to make decisions for you for how to be healthy. And that's what we see happen, you know, in the real world. 
with places that have instituted universal health care. Yeah, like yeah, because if you if you tell a doctor and you you say doctor so and so, it is your responsibility to keep Sally alive. And Sally says, "Okay, I want to drink gasoline." What does Dr. So and so do? <laughs> yeah, Dr. So and so would then like yeah, if if we're consistent, and that's my biggest thing. Let's just be consistent, right? If I think that within societies, it's potentially even I would even go so far as to say it, it should be an option for the people to discuss this as being a way to live. I don't like it, but if a, if a community, a society, a, a, a civilization, whatever, however you want to group the people at whatever level, want to get together and say, okay, we want to allocate these responsibilities to different people and everyone consents to do so, you need to be consistent and actually consent to do so. I think one of the biggest issues we see with things like universal health care or the right to health care is that people are more than happy to say that, yeah, I have the right to my health care, but but they stop short of giving that responsibility to be healthy to someone else to enforce on them. All of a sudden it's like, whoa, 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 but I want to eat my Twinkies. I want to drink my coffee, which some people might be saying, but coffee's healthy. Is it? It's the person whose responsibility is to decide whether it's healthy. Right. And that's my biggest problem with it is in order for you to be consistent you, you have to trust somebody else with your decisions. You have to give a lot of decisions, any decision that can impact your health. Exactly. It, you're giving up your freedoms. And and I think the other thing that makes this hard to just make a right, I can attempt to maintain my own existence. I don't need someone else necessarily to continue existing from moment to moment, just like I don't need anyone else to speak. Now, there's this, there's the whole argument about what about actualizing your right, you know, mm-hmm. just what's the whole point of the right to speak and it assumes that someone's there to listen. Sure. Um, what would that mean for the right to exist then? What does actualizing your right to exist mean for other people in that case? You know, that's a whole other sidebar. But um, the moment you are guaranteed the, quote, right to health care. That's like me saying, cool, you have the right to go become a doctor and make healthy decisions for you. But you can't, you, that's not what's being said by the right to healthcare. It's, it's what's saying is we have to now force other people to do something that they may not have otherwise done, right? I think that's where I start to have an issue with it is you're restricting options from people to guide themselves, not necessarily, you know, uh, a healthcare professional would not have to, for example, take a patient if they didn't want to. And that affects the other patient, but not in an active way. It's like someone not pulling the lever on the trolley car problem, right? Yeah. If you don't pull the lever, you didn't do anything. Um, you let nature progress as it was going to, right? And you let other people make their choices and whatever. You did not have an active effect on the moment. Um all of the other rights that we've discussed on this podcast at length can be done that way. I don't know what you call that rule, but you can exercise them yourself. You, you do not need to rely on anyone else inherently to, to exercise them. Even something like the right to bear arms. Arms does not mean firearms. It, you can pick up a stick 
and if you choose to use right. it as Any a weapon, implement that can be used for fighting as an arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can in th- even things that are not in necessarily in created with the intention of being a weapon. No, a pitchfork. Sure, pitchforks are not made for fighting, but you can totally fight with one. Right. Baseball bats. Right. Um. So I think that's my my deal, and so I'm okay with saying that you you have the right to exist. But to me, what that really means is you have the right to do what you need to do to continue to exist. It's very similar to the second, the, the idea behind the Second Amendment being that you have the right to self-preservation. It's part of it, you know, um, although it does have a, a particular threat in mind uh, that you need to preserve yourself from. But I think that ultimately the right to exist, what it would mean is to me is you have the right to pursue courses of action to continue that existence um although that seems just very basic and rudimentary but so is existing from moment to moment it's fairly rudimentary to you in the active sense you know i can sit here and to me in my mind do nothing for 30 seconds and wow i've continued to exist i did a good job but that's because a lot of it's automatic but i think i'm getting off topic now um so yeah i'm changing my mind i'm changing my mind that you do have the right to exist i think as a person let's think of something this way and you can uh feel free to disagree with me about about this i'm thinking i'm thinking now again about the definition of rights sure um rights are inherently a social concept yep um and so when i think of a right when i think of whether something should be a right i think of what burden does it place on the amorphous society Mm mm-hmm Use an when you have when you have the right to free speech, since we've okay. been using that, it is society's burden to make sure that you can speak, not physically necessarily, mm, okay, but to make sure that nobody interferes with your speech. That's one clear example. Hmm, hmm. that's interesting because to me, when you first said you know it's society's right to make sure that you can speak, that almost to me teeters on the line of it's society's responsibility to listen to you. Right. Whether they take what you have to say or not, meh, but they have to listen. Like and, and to be but fair, no. well but in the practical sense, that's kind of what we're saying though, isn't it? Like you assume the town square analogy mm-hmm. that everyone uses when they talk about well, free speech. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. You can't help but hear something when it's spoken with an earshot of you. Right. You physically can't help it unless... Yeah, you cannot turn it off. Yeah. yeah, especially if you are not aware of it. Like, I'm sure you could go buy, you know, Some earplugs. Special filtering things but, or, yeah, earplugs. Yeah, but now you're being burdened with making now sure... you have to buy things so that you cannot hear this person. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're burdened either way, yes. right? Either by listening to somebody or by forcing, you know... Or by choosing not to, yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, I I don't necessarily agree um, going that far because, and I think that's my biggest issue with the actualizing argument because that's what we're talking about, right? Yes. Because um, it it for me it's easier to look at it from the infringement perspective, um, which I know that the island is different from the town square example um, because. There are people, um, obviously, and people who live here and want to be here, presumably. Yeah, I, I guess the, I guess there's two there's two paradigms for rights. It, yeah, it can be okay. You can either look at it as society's burdens, where society must protect you from violation of your rights, or you can use it simply as a moral judgment. 
if somebody prevents you from speaking, then they are in the moral wrong. Right. And that's how I choose to, that's easy. And admittedly it's because it's easier. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also, without invoking the common sense, you know, that's what makes sense to me, you know? And so when it comes to life, yeah. Um, no one or existence, I should say, no one should try to prevent you from existing. Um, especially once you become a person that we've qualified, guaranteed these rights. Yeah. You should, you should be able to continue to exist. Um, no, no one should stop you from existing. You know, when it comes to speech, no one should stop you from speaking. They don't have to listen to you. Okay. Um, and I think that looking at a lot of the things that are commonly talked about rights from that perspective, they're easy, but yes, I do think you do have a good point. You can't escape the social consequences when you put more than one person together. Right. That's the whole point. Yeah. And so, and I think that's why you see there's a, there's a gradient that exists in different societies for what rights are considered rights. And I think what changes is not whether or not people consider something to be a right. I would think that even in the most, you know, firearm controlling, let's take the second amendment. Cause that's easier. No, just, no, just, we'll stay with the first amendment uh, or free, free speech, free speech. Yeah. To get outside of the bounds of the United States. Most places would say, yeah, you have the right to speak freely except when, and in those moments that they're trying to mitigate, what they're talking about is you can say things that will then unduly burden society just with your words. And the, the classic example is fire in a crowded theater. You're now burdening those around you using your words with a potential threat to their safety in which you create a scenario where they can act logically, but still result in harm. For other people. So we we know that something bad happened, right? Like if there's a stampede out of a theater because there's a fire, people are trying to not die in a fire, which they logically believe is happening just on the word of someone else, maybe. See, I don't know. I've I've always hated that example. I agree. I do too. But it's uh, a... Lies are a better example, well, I think. <clears throat> yes, general. lies are a better example. You, Right, yeah, and so lying about there being a fire in a crowded theater is a problem. Which, that's what people mean when they say yelling fire in a crowded theater. Right, yeah, because, yeah, when you literally mean it's wrong to shout fire in a crowded theater. Okay, but what if there's a fire? Yeah, then it's not, all of a sudden. Right, like, we have, like, any theater that I've ever been in has an implement built into the building specifically so that you can yell fire when there's a fire. It's called the fire alarm. There's big red switches that you can pull that alert everyone of the presence of a fire. Sure. So we obviously don't think that it is wrong to shout fire in a crowded theater, but yeah, the, the problem is lying about it. It would be, it would be wrong. You would be unduly endangering people to pull the fire alarm when there is no fire. Right. And so let's just take it at lying then. It, And I think this is actually not that difficult to think about. Um, for example, let's... Okay. You have the right to say whatever you want to say. No one should stop you from saying it before you say it. Um, obviously. I think that's... You're getting into thought crime territory. Mm -hmm. And even a lot of people um, would agree to that. But that's not what people usually mean. When they feel as though their speech is being infringed on, it's when there's a threat. 
um, of well, if you say this, then this will happen to you. Um, so that in and of itself is an act to try to prohibit speech, right? Um, issuing threats against it. Um, I think you have to take issue with what the threat is. I think most people would acknowledge that, yeah, lying is bad and a lie that causes harm to someone else, you did a wrong thing. You should be punished for that. Yeah. You should. I think the, you know, yeah, I think that that departs from free speech in the, in the sense that the spirit of free speech is really freedom to express ideas. And the underlying subtext of that is freedom to express ideas genuinely. If you do not genuinely hold an idea, you are not free to express it. Right. And this kind of steps around the whole idea of words as harm as well. You you can genuinely... If you're being genuine and it's not your intention to harm, yeah, that's its own issue. But how that relates to existing, you have the right to exist. But if you exist in certain ways, like how, how does that mix for you? Because to me, existing is such a basic thing. Yes. That it, why why not guarantee it as a right? I cannot think of a social burden that can that is placed on others just by you existing. I think when you yes, I think I'm I'm coming around to to change my mind about about the right to exist in the context of moral judgment. All right, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, he changed his mind. That's it for today, philosophers. No. All right, mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> Just, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to, I, I did mean to interrupt you, but yeah, I get, um, I get yeah. In the context of moral judgment, it makes it makes more sense because yeah, like the, the the things that I was thinking of had to do with like societal burdens, like things threaten your existence, and society should stop them. Mm-hmm. Right, and I let's look at the healthcare example now that we're back on existing. Yeah. I think the corollary for healthcare in the speech realm would be making people listen. Um, you would begin to place an undue burden on society when you make, if you're strapping people to chairs to hear your lecture on even something genuine and innocent, you know, I want to give a genuine, here, here's my genuine spiel about a book that I read. It's my genuine opinion. I have the right to say it. And I'm going to strap you to this chair and you're going to listen right, to it. You're going to listen to it. Yeah. Um, that's the equivalent of I am going to exist and live in my best life according to me. And I'm going to force you to take care of me at right. your expense. Oops, I'm sick. You're going to fix me. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that's that, That's the way you view it from the burden perspective on like what whether or not something's creating an undue burden on society. Should we guarantee it as a right for that reason? Um. And, and I don't think we should. So I th- existing and being healthy are two different things. I think the misconception that gets made when it comes to healthcare is that existing and being healthy are two different things. I will say that the arguments given are usually in cases for ex- uh, cases like I have a genetic condition. For example, uh, type, was it type 1 diabetes, the one where you're born with it? Or yes. is that type 2 diabetes? I type 1. Type 1, okay. So I was born with type 1 diabetes. Without insulin, I will die. What makes you different than everyone else? Because there are things that if a normal, well, I say a normal person, a person without type 1 diabetes, uh, I will die without air. I will die without water. Mm-hmm. I will die without whatever. 
you know, um, right, food. sufficient nutritional intake. Yeah. yeah. So you have one additional thing that now you need or you will die. And the question we're asking ourselves is, do we now place that burden on society kind of like we place the burden on society for those other things? Long before universal health care, there are ideas that have been implemented that essentially guarantee water to people. Mm-hmm. Um, similar with food. We, we, we don't guarantee them necessarily. Uh, well, we do. Like in the United States, food stamps exist. There are, we, we the government representing the people has set out a mission to ensure that people don't go hungry and starve to death. Now, it's not great. It's not the, it's not the best food. It's maybe not as much as you want to eat, but the exchange being made is we'll make sure you don't starve, but we get to decide what to feed you. We get to decide what's available with water, similar with air. That's just everywhere. But if it wasn't, then I'm sure we would do something similar for it too. I think perhaps with air, there might be something to do with pollution. Sure. Yeah. But, but, but that's, but that's a little bit different. Um, yeah, slightly. Yeah. Now you're looking from there's a wrongdoer, right? Similar to True. if someone's selling tainted food, we want to punish those people. And that's not even just because you have the right to eat clean food. It's it's more because you are putting out something. Right, you're poisoning people. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, but it's a lie. Like, especially yeah, you're if, telling. Yeah, this is edible when it's actually poison. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little different there. Um, so with the insulin example, should we have a government program to provide insulin to people? I don't see necessarily as much as an issue with that than I do universal healthcare. Similar things with, and, and to me, I feel like we as societies have acknowledged that it is better for us to err on the side of helping each other, especially those that are in positions that they did not choose. Like that's the best victim. That's the victim everyone sides with and wants to help is the one where I didn't do this. I didn't put myself here. Mm. The attitude, and, and diabetes is a great example. There are two types. There's the diabetes that you probably gave yourself that you didn't prevent. Just being harsh here because I'm in that category of people who absolutely can ensure that I had diabetes. Yes, I'm genetically predisposed, but people are genetically predisposed to all kinds of stuff. There's time for you to both become aware of that and to make to take action to prevent that. Um, and... To say that you have the right to healthcare either way, I don't agree with. Because that's essentially saying that you can make whatever decisions you want to make and then someone else will foot the bill for you. But for those who are in positions that they don't choose, people born with birth defects, disabilities, things of that nature, we have determined that it is worthy for us as a society to take resources away from ourselves through a government to pay for them and to help them. And... While I don't like that it's done that way, I at least can understand the logic to that much better than I could understand, well, this person's going to be a walking hazard and we need to put them in a padded room for their own good. Because that's what, that that's the same to me as, you, you, that's just the easier way to do the, make the doctor stick the needle in the person's arm, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the dark side of it to me. Um because you can get into all kinds of weird scenarios with that. And, and, and I'm not trying to do the same thing, but of pointing out specific examples, but the moment you delineate who gets to decide what is he- like 
I think instead of looking at it from the right, we should look at it from the responsibilities because you and I have talked before how rights and responsibilities go hand in hand. You have the right, but because you have that right, it's your responsibility. You have the right to life. It's your responsibility to ensure that it exists. Mm -hmm. Um, The undue burden on society should come from you exercising that responsibility. And, And ideally in a positive way. Um, example with firearms, yeah, you can carry your arms in general. You have the right to carry, keep and bear arms. Society has to deal with the burden of people doing that the right way, protecting themselves. There's a burden placed when you have people who are exercising the right to protect themselves and it not be a centralized responsibility of like the police that there is a burden there. Um, because it makes it harder to know what happened. It makes it harder to... Um, there there are ways in which that can be, you know, misused that you're going to have to factor in. But we've ultimately decided that we would rather err on the side of that freedom than we would centralizing that responsibility. You know, and I think the same thing should be true for existing. I don't think that we should choose to centralize healthcare in that way because then you're taking the responsibility away from the people to do that. And to me, I've always been flirtatious with the idea of responsibilities begetting rights than the idea that rights begetting responsibilities. Um, There's some interesting quirks that happen when you look at it that way, but that's what makes me lean more that way. So, okay. Anyway, I think we've, I'm done kicking healthcare. If you want to move on from that (laughs) one. Um, I had, I had previously had another topic on on the on the list here, but I don't know if that's necessary since I've already changed my mind on right to exist. Then we could run through it quickly if you want. Then if it's okay, not that big a deal. That option had to do with employment. Okay. And the idea that some people have proposed that uh, it is a business owner's burden to employ someone who seeks work. Because they will die if they don't work. I disagree with that as well. I'm obviously. um, And the idea being, I have the right to exist. You not giving me a job is getting in the way of that. No. So give me a job. No, you have the right to exist. But in you taking responsibility for you continuing your own existence, the burden's on you to find a way to continue to exist. It's not anyone else's obligation to provide a pathway for you to exist because that's how it is in the state of nature. Nature doesn't care one way or the other. Like, and even things that seem like they are that way, like the, you know, communist utopian paradise that we have banana trees everywhere that you can just walk around and pick food. Yeah. These things do not exist so that you can eat their fruit necessarily. (laughs) Um, They're trying to do their own game. You know, plants exist to perpetuate plants. The fact that they have sugary fruit that you will eat can potentially have like a symbiotic relationship deal going right. on. That is an an incidental fact. Totally incidental. It's an incidental part of their strategy for getting their seeds distributed. And the, the it's just a strategy because there are plenty of other living things that would be more than happy to consume you to continue to exist. And, they, you know... <laughs> And you're not obligated to lie down and be the food for the lion either, you know. Um, yeah, I don't think it's on the the, the entrepreneur at all or the, the business owner. And and the idea that you have to have a wage job in order to live, that 
that comes with the caveat of live like what? What do you mean live at that point? I think that that actually one one of the things that I have thought about because a place a place that this conversation normally goes if somebody is is uh, putting forth this idea, it's not it's not fair for employers to withhold employment because there's no other way to survive and i th- i think this this brings me to like because there are mm, there are many ways in which our societal structures and by that i mean systems of government um impede one's ability to live as they once would mm-hmm. yeah it, as a homeowner the fastest way to get your local government's attention is to try to become self-sufficient. Plant something in your yard. You will have a government inspector at your house in a week. As soon as things start to sprout. It, it, all kinds of things. And this is obviously maybe a little bit hyperbolic, but it's true. It, there are tons of regulations. There are tons of inhibitions placed on people living a way which we might otherwise live. If I lost my job tomorrow and had to begin sustenance farming, I don't have enough land to do that. But if I did, it it becomes inconvenient for others. But that's too bad. <laughs> it's my property and me living is greater than their inconvenience. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons why it's that way. It's that we don't want people to be self-sufficient. We want people to work together. But by taking away the option to be self-sufficient, you take a bargaining chip away from people to enter into a cooperative space. Right. You create the very situation that you're complaining about. Yeah. If I cannot walk away and just, if, if I make the value judgment that I would rather do it myself, I should be able to do that. Because if I can't make that decision, then you lower my bargaining opportunity to enter into a right, workplace. Because, yeah, the, the power that the employee has in the employer employee relationship is that the employee can say you know what your wage isn't good enough i'm out Mm -hmm. yep and as long as enough people can do that wages will have to increase but if people can't walk away and, and this happens in more than one way too enticements and quality of life are another one people really don't have like if i lived in a certain area I really don't have much of an option but live at the cost of living. It, you know, I can't make that assessment for myself most of the time. You can't decide, well, I want to work here, but I I would much rather live in a cardboard box. You can make that decision, but see how well that goes. See how long you're able to maintain your employment when you smell. Yep. When you have worn the same pair of clothes every day. It... Having a job comes with those other attachments and expectations that we assume wages are enough to pay for, but they're not guaranteed to, you know. Um, And yeah, I'm aware that you could always have a slum. Those are things that have formed when conditions get this bad. But you still have to have that ability to to, to opt out, you know. Um, And... Also, that's how we got here in the first place. I mean, jobs have not always existed that way. Wages are a relatively new thing. Yeah. It's 
we just decide that's a shortcut way to let's look at something that's fixed across all possible jobs time it exists as a constant for all jobs so it makes it so much easier to compare between jobs which are becoming more and more spe specialized um but the amount of skill required by the worker isn't um it's just easier like there's there's a reason you, you know salary jobs versus wage jobs exist for a reason salary jobs are typically not meant to be compared with all other salary jobs but they're not they're meant to be compared with other similar work of the same kind that's when you know it doesn't make much sense for a doctor to go well my salary is x number of dollars per year i get paid this much that's unfair because look at that engineer over there that makes this much year it's like they're totally different jobs you you cannot one-to-one -one compare mm -hmm. the hour to hour worth the, the reason i think a lot of wage jobs exist is because i need a person with relatively there is relatively no skill requirement i just need a warm body that can move most jobs are moving things from point a to point b and standing there for a particular amount of time and following a process that is agnostic to the person doing it that's where you'll find most wage jobs you know um and when, and I think they exist as a function also to be easily regulatable. Honestly, hmm. it, wages make a lot more sense to regulate. I mean, minimum wage literally has the word wage in it. You, minimum wage has nothing to do with salary employees. You, believe it or not, you can sign a salary job with less than minimum wage as long as you don't call it a wage and you don't do it by hour. You just do it by year in the form of a salary. That's That's a doable thing. Most people don't know about that, but you can do that. Um, how many hours are people allowed to work is another one you get capped out yeah or else overtime mandatory overtime pay right that is a way and even if you did not have mandatory overtime there are still wage laws that prevent an employer from employing you for that many hours a week you know it's just i think that's one of the reason wages exist in that way it's it was a system we created to try to make things better but has kind of honestly backfired and made things worse Couple that with taking the option off the table for you to continue to exist a way that you would otherwise live that really doesn't impose a burden on other people the same way, or not in the micro sense, perhaps. Um, yeah, I think that's where you end up with the problem. But I don't think that you have the right to a job. You have the right to pursue work, and you even have the, I think you should have the right, coupled with that, to make work for yourself. Yes. Any, anyone should have the right, if they own land or have been given access to land with permission, should be able to use that land to sustain themselves. And yeah, I understand that there are issues that occur when you do that. If if it were applied to everybody, if everybody had to be a farmer again, we would roll back in terms of society. But that's too bad. Then society did not do its job of making life better enough for people to allow them to specialize. Like but you have to be able to do that. The, the threat of backsliding has to be there to make sure that we keep moving forward. Yeah. And also, yeah, we, we have so many, the, the quality of life has improved so much that I think just as a, as a practical matter, you're not going to have a situation where just everybody starts deciding, you know what? I'm going to make a farm. Most people don't want to farm. No. Farming is hard work and most people don't want to do it. No, but people it's hard work and it doesn't yield as much as other work that you can do. Mm mm. No, absolutely not. Um, Unless you are a serious business farmer with huge amounts of land and big machines and stuff like that, but people don't have the money for that. 
Right. Especially if and they don't have the experience to negotiate with someone to get a loan for that kind of stuff either. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's what you tend to see happening. I mean, I think the, so, yeah, but so, yeah, so I guess the thing is given that people are not going to do that, there should always be the option for an individual to revert back to, you know what? Back to nature. <laughs> back to na- Seriously. Yeah. I want to go pick berries to eat. Like, why can't I do that? Mm-hmm. It should always be an option. Um, it's not ideal, but no, it has to be an option. Most people do not want to live that way, but it should be the option. You yep. should not be faced with death because you can't get a job. No, absolutely not. I agree. Okay. Uh, let's see. And you had another one under people that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, this was more of an aside um, going into our next topic. Um uh, the only other time I hear the right to exist, I also hear it coupled with the right to exist as, and it has to do with identity. Um, okay. And more, more particularly how you're recognized by others. Um, I think that this kind of walks up on the, the, there is a burden placed on others by existing. And that is that people have to consider the fact that you exist. Um, it's not a great burden. But it is a burden, um, and you see that burden increase um, as population centers get more dense. For example, uh, there is a stress associated with living around more human beings because you, as a human being that is on the lookout for keeping yourself safe, acknowledges tacitly that human beings are also dangerous. Um, this is not where I'm thought I was going with this, but it's true. Um, human beings are dangerous. Um, living out in the middle of nowhere, there, there's nature to worry about, but nature doesn't know how to pick a lock. Nature doesn't know how to kick my door in. Um, usually. Usually. Um, but typically speaking, I, and even if it did, I can I can set traps for nature that I can't set for people. <laughs> um, and no one cares. Yes, nature is usually a lot more predictable than a person. And nature's fair in the way that if I kill nature back, um, no one typically comes crying about it. It's you did what you had to do. Yeah. You know, if I if I if if a rabid dog um is chasing me trying to bite me, I can shoot that dog or and kill that dog. Nobody's going to care. No one's going to care. The same rights are not afforded to uh better more rights are afforded to people. I can't just do that. I have to we all acknowledge that we should attempt to resolve issues peacefully or as yes. peacefully as possible. We should also strive to assume the better of people. Um, there's a tacit agreement that we're not going to try to kill each other. We're going to take that as the assumption. And then anytime that assumption is violated, we punish the person who tried to do that. We do not have the same arrangement with nature. <laughs> um, but that's just a minor burden. Um, ultimately. However, we as human beings have standardized ways to make this efficient, um, particularly in our language and in ways that we identify one another. Um, And without wanting to go too far into it, um, the question is being called in here is, who has the right to, who has the right to determine your identity? Um, one might assume, I think, that me by nature of existing and being able to choose to exist how I will, my identity should align with my existence. 
because that would be the most accurate way to summarize my existence for other people to acknowledge, right? Okay. Um, also, I think the farthest actualization you can get of the right to exist is the right to be recognized. And that's important, weirdly enough, because... Well, let's take this back a, f a few centuries, uh, maybe a few millennia. Um, when our ideas of what was and wasn't a person weren't necessarily universal. Um, mm -hmm. So if you were a pasty white folk from the Isles of Britain, every human being you've ever seen was white for the most part. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, then you decide that you are going to become a sailor because that's a job that you can take. And then you end up in the Cape, on cape horn and you see people that well people question mark uh these do not look like they, they're shaped like the people that you know but it doesn't look like anybody you've ever seen but it doesn't before. look like anybody ever seen um and you see african people are they people who gets to decide whether they're people you know and, and while these are probably walking up on very heinous questions that might have the sensors at our throats at any moment now they were legitimate things that people had to deal with at one point in time. Right. Yeah, you didn't have scientific understandings then either. Like, we couldn't just go, like, oh. look... We, could, we couldn't just take samples that would contain, like, DNA or something like that and compare to our own genome and things like that and say, ah, yes, this is this is a person. Like, mm -hmm. there's just... Yeah, these, these couple of genes here are different, and that's pretty much it. Everything else is in common. Like, right. Yep. Um... Now, you could very quickly maybe come to a good term realization that, yes, this is, in fact, a person. Uh, they seem to be able to communicate. We may not speak the Walks same Walks like language. a person, talks like a person. Probably a person. Probably a person, yeah. What about Neanderthals? Are, are they people? Were they people? They're not, they don't exist anymore. They're categorized as humans. Mm. But are they people? Are they people? Because They're even, quite different. They are quite different. And even if you had the DNA test you had before, there's some more significant differences than maybe... There would be if they were just people, people, you know? Yeah. Like people you've ever seen. Um, but yeah, and, and we don't we don't have this problem anymore, weirdly enough, because the other, what, 11 or so? They, they keep coming up with new slight variations of human that have existed besides us that are yeah, all extinct sure. now, which is weird and hopefully not due to some type of... <laughs> hopefully it's not evidence of the determination made by our ancestors as to whether or not these humans were people right because that, that that could be the answer to our question if, if we want to just go based on intuition is yeah maybe maybe we're not maybe, or maybe they're not people because of, we killed them all um <laughs> maybe you know um who knows walking away from the point here um <laughs> being recognized you, you and i looking at each other right now recognize that yes this is a person i can see a person you're a human um because I see enough of me in you and assume that you think enough like I do that you are people and I want to be people. So people, um, very naive assumptions, very, make, but. <laughs> very naive, but that is how the human do. Um, okay. I'm just going to come out with it. Humans are sexually dimorphic. Yes, they are. Yes, we are. Um, there are male and female humans. They serve, and, and there's really one good time when this really matters, and it when it comes to reproduction, we'll say um, that's the one place where it actually really matters that we're sexually dimorphic. There are others, but that's the one that it's really key uh, when it comes to pairing humans up um, for reproductive purposes. You need to have 
insert one male, insert one female, produce other human, usually speaking. Mm-hmm. Other arrangements will not do. Um, however, uh, acknowledging that there is a difference in the way the social traits, which are where all rights are at, remember, these mm-hmm. are, this is the realm where they are. Thing. Yep. Um, how I present, how I act and behave does not necessarily have to correlate to my sex. And... No, it doesn't. And that delineation causes confusion for people because traditionally, those two things have typically been in line for most human societies. Not all, but most. So, why is this important? Um... Do I have the ability to place the burden on you to be recognized in a certain way? I think not. Ask that again. Do I have the right to dictate how you recognize me? No. 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 And that... I think is kind of the point. Um, It can create scenarios in which I would prefer to be recognized certain ways. And these can range from the ludicrous to the not ludicrous, but at the end of the day, let's pick something easy. Yeah. People want to be recognized as generous. That is, that is a virtue in our society. Generosity. Yes. But what if I'm a penny-pinching cheapskate? I still want to be recognized as generous. But I want though. you to call me generous, though. Right. But no, you can't have my money. Right. Now, the argument would be, I think, that your generosity is not a critical part of your identity. It could be. It could be. You're right. What if I'm a priest? True. This I'm... is my life. Mm-hmm. And it's very important for me to be virtuous and generous. Mm-hmm. And to help the poor, even though I don't. What is the harm done to you, though, if I don't recognize you that way? Hmm. Because there is some, perhaps. Yes. If I choose to lie about you and say that, ah, yes, but you see, this guy, he's a cheapskate, he's immoral, you might find yourself at odds with the community trying to fulfill a role of being... A generous, nice, wonderful person. If it's true, I'm doing the community a favor by calling you out as a bad priest. Mm-hmm. But if it's a lie... Right, now you're slandering me. Now I'm slandering you. But how does that how does that deal when it... When it doesn't necessarily maybe matter, you know? And I think that's the hard part is... If I identify as female, I am a I am male. If I identify as a woman, I should say. Yes. And we can all get on the same page and say that, yeah, gender is separate than sex. You want to take on a certain set of characteristics, which we have all determined to be, which we all loosely determined to be that those are more womanly traits, right? Right. You're talking about the actual dimorphic sexual traits. No, I'm talking about the social traits because we because oh, okay. we also have the social constructs of man and woman on top of male and female. Okay, they just okay, tend to they traditionally have aligned, and in the majority okay, of cases, okay. So you are biologically male, and you want to now do the things that are culturally associated with being a woman. Yes. Okay. Got it. Um, 
would it be a lie to say that I am a woman? If you were to call me out and say, ah, you're not a woman, you are a man. Is that a lie? Or is that a value judgment? Or an assessment? I don't know. That's the, yeah, that's my deal with when people say I have the right to exist as. It, it's a hard question. It's not that simple. I don't think the answer is we should and we should force people to cohere to societal identifiers as far as roles that have nothing to do with that, that may or may not have anything to do with sex. I'm not going to mm-hmm. make a determination either way. Um, I do think if I were to say, no, 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 you see my lad, I am a female. That is a lie. That is objective. We can test that. We can, we can go in and like, look at your, right. DNA. That is encoded in your genes. Yeah. yeah that is n- unchangeable. But if I want to live life as though I were a female, is that a lie for me to do as a, sorry, as a woman, as a woman, that's Whew. yeah. Sorry. I, I yeah, am living your life as if you're a female. That is much more involved. Right. Um, and or impossible. Right. And, 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 Really, these questions are not what I'm trying to address. I'm trying to get down to the who has the right to say. Yeah. You know, um, it's, I think, pretty on the face of it. When you, it's one of those things when you think about it, it's like, well, yeah, you should have the right to identify yourself as ever you want, you know? And and you kind of do have the ability to do that when you first meet somebody. If, I, if we'd never met before, I could tell you, oh, my name is Jake. And as far as you know, that's true. And right, I'm not going to start investigating. Like, hmm, are you really Jake? But, but but hear me out. Even if it's not true, you don't look like a Jake to me. If I wanted it to be Jake, is it not my right to pick my name? Right, we do. We do allow people to choose their own name. Do we? Sure, you can change your name. You can change it, but normally speaking, you are given. You that. don't choose it at birth because you literally can't speak. Right, but no, you're right. We can change it later. Yeah. I, um. But yeah, like I think you start with the initial conditions of a lot of your identity is constructed for you. Um, because you can't make it yourself. And I think that it's harmful to let a child make their identity because we kind of grow into those identities in a way. Um, well, yeah, that's the whole trope of being a teenager. Yeah. Just figuring out who you are. But even before then, you know, I mean, in even... Sure, yeah, even before then, you're learning what does it even mean to be a person from everyone around you. Right, and if you are a male child and you're told you're a boy, you are going to... Oh, okay. So here are fifty percent of the population I don't have to even look at to identify who I should be. Here's the fifty percent that I should be paying attention to, mm-hmm. and I should mimic their behavior. Um, and that's typically how it works out, you know. Um, I don't know. I just think that if we get rid of the childhood part, because children ruin everything in philosophy, they do. Um, as an adult, yeah, we let you pick your own name. Um, but do people have the right to address you otherwise? Can I call you something else? Sure. Yeah. You don't have to answer to it. And I think that's where it gets kind of complicated. It's it's really a social negotiation. I don't think rights really matter too much here. It's when it comes to your identity. You have the right to try to identify as however you want. And you being you and going wherever you are will have the ability. You have an advantage <laughs> in determining that. Um, but ultimately, it's a negotiation. It, just like anything else and how we interact with each other. We can be mean to each other. We can, one person can be nice to a person who's mean to them. You know, no one has the right to be treated politely. No one has the right to be treated meanly either. It's just, I think it's a social negotiation. So I don't think the right necessarily matters. Yeah. When it comes to the right to identity, uh, you can be whoever you want to be to you. 
But you also have the right to see the world however you want. But you will yield the consequences either way. And by that, I mean, I can choose to see the world as though cars will not kill me if they run me over. Uh, But eventually, reality, your opinion is going to be met with a moving vehicle. Right. But in the world of opinions only, which is human interaction, which has a lot just to do with how we feel about each other, Mm -hmm. it's a negotiation. You're going to figure it out. I'm sorry. Like... You're going to have to convince people to call you something sometimes. You're going to do, and that, I think everyone's gone through that at some point, you know, have, sure. you, have you ever had a, a, a foul nickname applied to you, especially as a child when you were being bullied? I can't remember a specific instance, but yeah, probably. Yeah. You've been called a name before that name. Okay. <laughs> hey, don't call me that. Yeah. Yeah. Negotiations have begun as far as, and there's a social battle being played out to see who will you be named? Or will you not? Um, and there's a few ways to escape that name. Yes, there are. Leaning into it's often the best, in my opinion. Yes, leaning into it is the best. Fighting about it also works, but sort can of. get you into other trouble. Yeah. Um, works, depending on situation. Like, if someone calls you a mean name, you could punch them in the mouth, but this may yield other undesirable consequences. Yeah, you will take on a new identity, which is neither the name you were probably called or the identity you probably would have preferred <laughs> before. So enjoy that yeah Um, now you're a time bomb uh (laughs) right i just think that it's i don't like i don't like when we start dragging rights into recognition yes it's a social it's a social agreement um no one has the right of way you both have to work it out and guess what what you both do have the right to is associate and or not so use that as you will as a tool to reach a consensus and i'm gonna leave it at that okay but recognition matters in this next part though funny thing about that we are now over time Ooh. and we are only halfway through this uh list of bullet points you'll be great a part part two, two. next week join next us week. next week for the right to exist part two nations yes until next time philosophers philosophers If you like the music in this episode, please check out Jippy on Bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com. Philosophers is supported by viewers like you. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future, please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description, or in the comments below. Thank you for listening.